Welcome to the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast with psychologist Dr. Doreen Downing. Listen in as Doreen interviews people who felt they didn't have a voice or who suffered extreme speaking anxiety. You'll hear stories about how they struggled to speak up, what they did to find their authentic voice, and the confidence they now feel to speak up and make an impact. If you want to get started right away to find your voice, download Doreen's free 7-step guide to fearless speaking at Doreen7steps.com. And now, here is Doreen. Hi, I'm Dr. Doreen Downing, and I'm psychologist and host of the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast. I get to invite guests who have a story. They sometimes felt like they didn't have a voice growing up for different reasons. And usually somewhere along the line, they get to learn a lot, (laughs) a lot about what voice means to them and how to use it. And today I get to interview Dr. Denny Coates, who is the author of several books for parents, including How Your Teen Can Grow a Smarter Brain and another book, Connect With Your Kid. His passion is helping parents guide their children to become happy, successful, independent adults. And I remember hearing, Denny, one thing that you did say, we are adults raising adults. So welcome. Welcome today. Thank you. Glad to be with you. Yes. Well, uh, before you became an adult, you were a child. And one of the things that I do here, first of all, is just to have people reflect back because that's usually a time when we first become aware of ourselves and start developing this sense of self around what we can and cannot say. If you could just reach back and share any kind of memories of what it was like to uh, find your voice or finding your voice? Hmm. Well, from the very first day that I went to school in the first grade, I had a a passion that I, of course, didn't understand. And uh, it was only 70 years later that I began to understand it. And that passion was, I want to be recognized as the best kid in this class. That, that was it. And at the end of the my first year, uh, my first grade teacher, Mrs. Stone, acknowledged me. And, um, and so it, I, it just continued all the way through school until I was valedictorian. Um, but I would say I, I had friends. My dad was in the uh, Army. So we moved around a little bit, and I experienced what it's like to to move away from your friends and make new friends. And I would make one good friend in the first year and another couple more friends in the second year. And the third year, I would be the president of the class. (laughs) That's kind of how it went, you know. but I really was a, a, an A student kind of guy, kind of an intellectual, and that's how I saw myself, and that's how people saw me. And the good thing, because you know, I, I created this portfolio that allowed me to get an appointment to West Point, which was a game changer for me. Uh, I, 
it was a wonderful school. And I got to be around all kinds of guys who were smarter than I was, <laughs> which was a humbling experience. Um, I had my military career, mostly in leadership, and uh, survived, survived the whole thing. And uh, I studied leadership. I didn't just do it. I wanted to know about how about what people said leadership was. So by the time I retired, I felt I was ready to help other managers, executives, and so forth become better at leadership. So I, I formed this consulting um, firm, and I'm still working at it, only I'm not consulting anymore. We created products that we sell. So we're a product company, online products. Um, about 10 years ago, I decided, you know, I'm really interested in kids. And so how do kids become really good adults, strong adults? And so helping parents do that. Now, after retirement, I became fascinated with what is learning? I mean, really, not in a philosophical sense, not uh, uh, basically in a, in a kind of biological, physical, scientific sense. What happens in the learning part of the body, which is the brain? And so I didn't know, and I was just really wanted to find out. So I, I read about 200 books a year uh, trying to figure this out, and I did. I learned what it, what the brain does to learn, and especially in skill development, um, <clears throat> because in our business we try to help people learn skills. And so, what is that? Now, my voice—I have a writing voice, uh, and it's straightforward. Uh, it's realistic and. Uh, not flowery, and uh, it's, a, it's a kind of tell-the-truth sort of style. That's what I do. But in speaking, that's a whole different uh, challenge. Well, I would say that all of what you've just said so far and what I've heard you on other people's podcasts, that you do have straightforward, clear, mm-hmm. reflective, thoughtful that's that's my sense of you already is is your voice and but you're going to say something else about your speaking voice and talk about yeah. that yeah well <clears throat> i had opportunities to speak early on in my uh, civilian business um but i wasn't that concerned about it even though i didn't think of myself as a as a uh, popular or engaging speaker i just had some things to say but if, if you ask me, do people love love me? I'd say I, I don't think so. <laughs> I think I was a little boring, you know. I was just up there saying what I know, and uh, I didn't really have a good speaking voice. But when I began to understand what what's involved in learning skills, I mean, really. So that you actually do it. Yeah. Uh, then I, I began. I understood that 
organizations and executives and leaders, and even in the human resources area, they don't get it either. They don't know. They're putting all these programs that are related to skill building, but they have no clue as to what skill building really is and how it works. So, wow, you know, I I need to tell them. (laughs) So I became passionately interested in sharing this uh, neurocognitive understanding of how you structure learning programs so that people actually learn. Because a whole lot of money is wasted on excellent presentations that don't result in change. Because they can't. That what has happened is entertaining and high quality, but it's often not what a person needs to change their behavior. Yes, I understand what you're saying there. That uh, somebody could—it's almost like watching a performance, and yet the if the purpose is to help people learn and change, there's a whole nother dynamic that needs to go on. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'll tell you what it is. I've I've shared this so many times that I think I can boil it down to maybe thirty seconds worth. <laughs> um. When you learn a, have you do you play golf or tennis or anything like that? I don't play golf as such, although I have uh, golf clubs and I've gone to the driving range and a couple of times I have played golf. And actually, truthfully, my husband's mother was a national champion. So he and I, the first time we went to a golf course, uh, he tried to teach me and I just said, oh, Please just let me let me hit it. I've played I've played miniature golf before. So for me, what I needed to do first was just to feel the club, kind of get a sense of what a swing felt felt like before somebody started to teach me. I had to kind of okay, this is a golf course. What is so anyway? Tell me, tell me more about learning a skill. Oh, that's great, you know, because you know that in golf um, you have to hit it off the tee. So you have a, you drive it off the tee. Uh, You have to be able to hit it out of tall grass. You have to aim it at the the green. And when it gets on the green, you have to be a good putter or it might go in a sand trap and and there's all kinds of challenges in sand. And so it turns out that golf has many sub skills. And uh, when I was a kid, I, I loved playing golf. I was the captain of my golf team and I would play golf. Every single day, I lived across the fence from a golf course. And uh, sometimes I play two rounds in a day. In the winter, if it's if it snowed, then I wouldn't play. I just, I mean, you could, you could get red golf balls or whatever, but I never did that. Um, I read every book ever written about golf. But as I look back on it, that didn't help me learn golf. Mm-hmm. What helped me was actually playing. Ah, uh, yes. That, you know, uh, the more I played, the, the better I got at it. And here's why. It's because in, in the human brain, uh, there, as you know, there are many different components of a brain and they do different things for you. Uh, and 
they talk to each other through neurons, brain cells. And in a given action, you'll have this happen, this happen, this happen, and this happen, and then you execute. And it all happens within a microsecond. Now, if you've never done it before, then you have to kind of force it to happen. You have to force this, force this, force this, and force this. And that slows it down and it makes it awkward because you can't repeat it. So what happens is the more you do it, the brain cells, the fibers on the brain cells grow to each other to form a circuit, a real circuit. So the electrochemical um, impulses that go through the brain go through the circuit and these connections insulate. And man, you have a, a super fast way of executing that circuit. Super conductivity. Yeah, it's really fast. And so <laughs> when it's fast and it's reliable, it's comfortable. And when you get that level of comfort, you are, have mastered the skill or you have seen, achieved some mastery, but not until then. And it takes a lot of reps. So no matter whether you're an artist or, or you're doing sports or any kind of skill, of even thinking skills, where you just sit there and do thinking like problem solving or something. You are exercising, exercising a skill and you, if you do it enough, you get good at it, but you got to do it enough. So being introduced to it in a classroom, I don't care how good the trainer is. I don't care how slick the, the visuals are or whatever. That's just the, the first step. You learn, wow, this way of listening could be good. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like what he said. But you can't do it because when it comes time to listen, you don't even realize it's time. When it comes time to listen, you're not in a good frame of mind to listen that way. And you don't have skill. So you have, <clears throat> you have to make yourself do it over and over and over and over. And eventually, the new way of listening will wire itself. And it becomes comfortable and automatic. And that's when you've got it. That's when you become a really good listener because you've worked at it. Now, uh, this is doing the work. This is uh, ingraining a skill. And so I love to talk about it. And um, that's where I found my voice. I get excited talking about it. You probably tell. I get excited talking about this. Yeah. People, A, they don't get it. And B, it's really important. So here I go, you know, and so I, I found my voice and got passionate about sharing this information. And it was that um, really becoming excited about that is what allowed me to be exciting in front of people. Oh, I get it. I get exactly what you're talking about now uh, around when you first were speaking it, uh, you know, there was information you had to deliver and, but it wasn't until you found the the passion and the excitement and just really, I felt that even in your speaking and in your face and in your joy that came through, it seems like uh, this is, it makes so much a di difference when you're lined up with what really matters and what you know, and what you're saying to us also is about the repetition. I wanted to say something about what you picked as a skill was listening because mm. 
I'm a psychologist <laughs> and my listening skills go way back. And I, every single day of my life, you know, I was sitting in my, not in my life, but <laughs> once I got my degree, there I am in my office, listening, listening, listening. And listening has, like you say, you just were saying about the different, like golf has different skills. It's not just, you know, you hit it. it. It's not just, I sit in my chair and I listen. It's like where I'm listening from is important. How I silence my body in such a way that I'm more open. And there's a way in which paying attention to the other person and not thinking about what I'm going to say. So there's so much. And I bet you and I, because one of your books is about listening, it seems like that's one of the skills, right? Right. Um, you and I could go on and on about the skill of listening. <laughs> many skills. Yeah. Yes. So I, I, got it. I got passionate. And when I got passionate about something that mattered to me, then I became a much better speaker. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how I found my voice was to learn something that I cared about that much. Uh huh. Ooh. Well, you know, there is some kind of uh, through thread that I have noticed with you, and that's when you started today. You mentioned that. Gee, from your earliest memory, you re- you have this sense of wanting to be the best you could be at something. And, mm-hmm. you know, you entered grade school and, you know, found your, found the arenas where you could practice that. Hello, you've been practicing, practicing, practicing that one desire to be really good at something. <laughs> and so here you are after retirement, really uh, finding a new something that you want to be really good at. Mm-hmm. Is that true? I think I found it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I, and I care very much about this. Um, I'm, I'm keenly aware that <clears throat> no, no matter how long I've been uh, writing about this and talking about this, um, almost nobody gets it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, you, uh, get it. you get it because you're a pro, <laughs> you know, but they, they don't. Um, I've never met a parent who didn't love their kids. Never. I mean, really love them. But I also never met a parent who was a good listener. I have never done that. Mm-hmm. And there are other skills that really matter <clears throat> in parenting besides that. Mm-hmm. When, I mean, you... There's just so many, like, for example, when a kid doesn't want to talk, <clears throat> what do you do? Uh, or if a kid disagrees with you, or if the kid wants something that you don't want them to have, or they go emotional on you, and maybe they attack you, you know, <laughs> not physically, but I hate you, you know, that stuff. <laughs> yes. What do you do? Yeah. Well, it'd be helpful if you had a few skills interpersonal skills and recognize now's the time for me to go into conflict resolution or now's the time for me to really encourage her etc 
And before you can do this skill, though, I see what you're saying is that you first need to have awareness. And I think that has to do with some self-awareness that you're ready to react. You're ready to choke the (laughs) child and just like, or run out the door. That's what my mother would do when my sister and I fought. She'd run out the door, get in the car and drive away. So, you know, I learned early on. And I have another story. My nephew uh, was eight years old and I told him, he asked me what I did. And I said, well, I'm a psychologist and I sit in my chair and somebody comes in and they don't want to talk. You know, they have a problem and they're struggling, but they don't want to talk about it. And I just calmly listen quietly and give them a little bit of information or questioning. And pretty soon, what do you know? They're talking about the problem. And he said, Aunt Doreen, do they know you trick them? (laughs) that's a good way of putting it (laughs) his eight-year-old brain looked at what i was saying and said i I trick people into talking (laughs) how how old is he now oh he's a lawyer he's a lawyer in wilmington north carolina and he's got two wonderful children of his own in his 40s (laughs) my my two sons are in their 50s Uh and we have we have a great relationship. When when I was raising them, I didn't know any any idea what I was doing. I I had did, did, we didn't call it parenting in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was um, raising kids. Raising, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. why I like what you said about adults raising adults. It's uh, it puts a different frame on what the heck we're doing when we're raising children, when we're growing children, we're being there. And what you're, what we're calling parenting. Yeah. But we're teaching, we're guiding, we're, well, there's so much. We're, we're, yeah. <laughs> Go on. That's right. Uh, I sometimes tell people, um, be the person you want your kids to be. Oh, beautiful. You know. Yeah. Because they're watching you. Oh, yes. Um, oh. But where else are they going to learn this stuff? You know. Yeah. So. Another is, um, my, I, I did not know what I was doing when I was a dad, when I was raising my, my two sons. But my instinct was, just be me and um, treat them like adults. Talk to them the way I would talk to an adult. I don't know why I decided to do that, but that's, that's how I did it. Probably the best thing I ever did. Uh, following up on that instinct, um, what happened was they became their own little intellectuals, and they became fascinated with computers. That's when the first PCs came out, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I got lucky again. It was Christmas, and I thought I don't know what to give these boys for Christmas. So I thought, oh, well, I'll just give them this Commodore 64. I'll give each kid a Commodore 64 PC. It was the very, very first PC that came out. Well, it was a life-changing decision to do that because when they traded the, you know, the little software disks with their friends until they had seen every game that ever was there. Uh, I don't know if they were pirating them or what. You know, I, but anyway... They got to a point where they had done it all. 
very quickly. And so they started getting curious about how you make your own programs. And so as teens, they began to self-teach how to program. They got this book about C++ or whatever. They read it, learned it, did it, made programs. In fact, the first program that I ever used in my business, it was a, uh, an assessment program where people um, answer questions and you get feedback from that. And my 17-year-old programmed that for me. 17-year-old. Yeah. And now they're in their 50s and they're wildly successful uh-huh. at what they do. They're creating. My oldest boy has a PhD and he's um, creating new businesses for business with you know new services, mm-hmm. web-based. I don't even know what it is and how it works. It's so complicated, but uh, you know they're great, and we have a good relationship, you know, through uh, Zoom and other media. Yeah, especially now. But what you're saying is that yeah, you started out, you had children, and you didn't know what you were doing. I mean, here here they pop out, and whew, we've got this job to do uh, for the for the rest of your life, basically. But what whatever, however, and this is partly what I'm feeding back to you as as one of my guests with such a. Um, a, a heartful kind of approach to life and just a respectfulness. And I think that you naturally brought respect to your children where they were, they felt it. And you, you gave them as I love that phrase, be the kind of person you want your children to be. Yeah. And it sounds like, Hey, they are. Yeah. Yeah. In many ways, they're smarter than I. Which well, makes, I just love that. Yeah, aren't, it, in some ways like, they're not, but in many ways they yeah. are. <laughs> well, that's what uh, you know. Giving them shoulder to to stand on is all about. Yeah. Well, I'm coming to the end of our time together, and I thoroughly enjoyed, and I really loved when you got to the point where you said, "Gee, it was all about finding your passion," where you truly felt the sense of having your real voice because you obviously it sounds like you know had room to speak up and be a leader along all along earlier in your life it wasn't anything like that that held you back and you had to overcome it was just when you stepped into the more that was uh, like the opportunity that was waiting for you and you stood right in the middle of it and did your thing let me get the best to be the best at this (laughs) yeah yeah have something to say You do. You certainly have something to say. And uh, thank you for offering what you have to say to my listeners today. And thanks for having me on your podcast, Doreen. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for being with us today for this episode of Find Your Voice, Change Your Life. Each person Doreen interviews shares what has helped them find their voice. You can learn from these guests and find your voice so you can be confident to speak up and speak out. And remember to download Doreen's free seven-step guide to fearless speaking at Doreen7steps.com. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll return next time. Until then, goodbye for now.